Welcome to Bible Center Church, and thank you so much for joining us on BC Podcast. Here's a message to encourage your heart this week. Well, good morning. Good morning to you guys. Thanks for joining me up here. So how many more Sundays until we have Christmas? Any idea? Ooh, what? Three. Three more. I hope everyone in the room, parents and grandparents, heard that. There's three more Sundays until Christmas. So what are you most excited about? when Christmas comes, what are you looking forward to the most? Presents. Oh, presents? Christmas lights. Christmas lights. Spending time with Jesus family, the food, birthday. Jesus' birthday, good. Family, food, presents, then a catch-all, everything is amazing. That's a good way to answer a question. Did you have any? Spending time with family. Time with family, good. Um, well, I love doing the same with my family. So let's take a second and let's read a little bit of the Christmas story because like you mentioned, a lot of this has to do with Jesus and what Jesus did for us. So in Matthew chapter one, verses 18 through 23, we read this story about Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus. You ready? All right. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, and he said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus." for he will save his people from their sins. Now, all this took place to fulfill what the prophet had spoken uh, to the Lord. Uh, verse 23 says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. Thank you for joining me up here. You guys head back. Appreciate it. This way, guys, this way, guys, or crawl that way. Okay, we tried. You never know what's gonna happen. Well, it's so good to be with all of you. Uh, this Christmas season, our theme for the series, series is going to be Home for Christmas. Doesn't that just feel good to hear that? Home for Christmas. We're going to explore the meaning of home. What would it be like this Christmas season to experience peace, significance, warmth, meaning, purpose, and deep connection. I think a lot of that has to do with how we understand home. How do we find and experience home? And in our journey, we're going to start with a very young and very confused Mary and Joseph. In Luke chapter 1, verse 26, it says, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. Her name was Mary. So what would this young couple have been expecting at this point? So they're engaged 2,000 years ago, and the way weddings would roll 2,000 years ago in the Jewish culture is very different than the way they roll here for us. So they would have been looking forward to several things. Number one, their marriage would have been arranged not forced, but arranged. The families probably knew each other. They probably grew up together, Mary and Joseph. Uh, they would have been engaged for an entire year before they got married. 
And then in this period of time, they would have been very young. Joseph was likely 18. Mary might have been 14, maybe slightly younger. And through this year-long engagement, it will be leading up to some really fun things. The first big part of the marriage ceremony, which would usually last five to seven days, would be Joseph and all of his groomsmen would have headed over to Mary's parents' house. He would have been all dressed up, like his best clothes. He maybe would have had a crown on. The best man would have kind of been leading how things were going and organizing stuff. And when he would have shown up, they would have put Mary up on their shoulders. And they would have carried Mary through the town. Like the whole town would have been excited about this wedding because towns were small and the whole town was involved. So Mary and Joseph, their families, and the town would have been a part of this. As they would have carried Mary from her parents' house to his parents' house, the town would have been singing and celebrating the entire time that they were being, she was being carried by the groomsmen. And when they would have shown up at Joseph's house, she would have been set down finally, and Joseph's parents would have given them a traditional biblical blessing. Quickly after that, celebration would have begun, dancing would have begun. Weddings usually took place in the autumn because they wanted it to be nice weather because it was important to spend that time together. Later that night, Mary and all of her bridesmaids, usually there were about 10, would have like snuck off and spent time together preparing for the next day because the next day was the big day. The next day, Mary and the bridesmaids would have gone to where Joseph and the groomsmen were and the ceremony would have taken place and they would have been married. The ceremony is typically pretty short and after the new couple is now husband and wife, they would sneak off to do the things that young married couples do, Yahtzee, and then after they were done, they would have returned because the party would have started. And then for five to seven days, they don't go on a honeymoon, they celebrate with their family, their friends, and the entire village. So young Mary and Joseph would have been looking forward to that. They would have been expecting that. Likely Mary grew up dreaming about that. But the unexpected happened. In Matthew 1.18, it says this, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. So they were expecting celebration they're expecting family, friends, and the whole town and village to be involved. But instead of celebration, now there is this conversation about separation, divorce. Joseph is pondering, do I need to move away from Mary and quietly return her to her family to be on her own? So everything that they had dreamed about had kind of fallen apart. God had changed their plans. Dreams came crashing down. Matthew 1.20 says this, but after he had considered this. So just, guys, Joseph had a period of time where his wife was pregnant and there was no explanation. So Joseph was sitting and considering what had happened. These are hard moments for this very young couple, this very confused couple. After he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. 
So God's plan looked very different from Mary and Joseph's plan. So the focus went from this wedding, getting married to having a child. The focus is now preparing themselves for a birth. And I'm sure the hope was this, let's make sure Mary's comfortable in a place where she's surrounded with family, a comfortable bed, a place where she could find a little help after the birth. I'm sure that was their new set of expectations and hopes. But instead of the expected, again, the unexpected happens. Luke 2.6, they are heading towards Bethlehem, and it says, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths, not a onesie, just some cloths, and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. A nine-month pregnant person and her soon-to-be husband, who are kids, are knocking on the door of an inn or a house where they expected to stay, and there is no guest room available for them. It's taken. So they're put with the animals. There's no room here. You're going to have to sleep with the animals. And if I'm Joseph, I'm thinking, well, maybe we can just get through tonight. Maybe we can get through tonight, and then maybe tomorrow night or later this week, the baby will come when I can get her into a guest room and into a bed, and maybe her family can come join us. Well, that's not what it says. That night, she had a baby. I mean, have you ever been on a subway or on a train when a pregnant woman walks on? Everybody moves and adjusts and makes room. It just doesn't happen that night. No one adjusts. No one moves. They are with the animals. So instead of the expected, the unexpected happens. While in this room or in this barn, Mary goes into labor, two kids and likely some animals who are not very good nurses find themselves participating in the birth of Jesus. Can you imagine being an 18-year-old kid trying to help your 14-year-old fiance have a child? And as the baby comes, he's clothed with cloths, barely holding together, and is laid into a feeding trough. Nothing has gone as planned. The expected is swallowed up by the unexpected. The dream wedding did not happen. The comfortable, warm welcome into the world for the baby did not happen. The presence of friends and family, it doesn't happen. All they had was the Lord each other, and this baby. That's the picture of the first Christmas. In the first Christmas, nothing went according to plan. In fact, everything from a human perspective was totally off script, unexpected, unplanned, probably felt backwards. Two kids, far from home, carrying with them the hope of the world, possibly sitting in a dirty barn surrounded by animals. And we find these three in a world which had grown cold, confused, and dark. What I mean by that is there had not been a book of the Bible written for 400 years. The people of God have not heard from their God for 400 years. So what kind of questions would they have been asking? Has God moved on from us? Is he still present? Does he still care? Is God ever going to speak again? That's how the people of God feel as Mary, Joseph, and the baby are sitting 
with some animals, possibly in a barn. But in these moments, I'm sure they would have gone back to the words that the angel spoke in Matthew 1.21. And the angel said, she will give birth to a son and you're going to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. It was in the unexpected that hope was springing forth. It was in the unexpected that God spoke again. He no longer remained quiet, but he began to speak again. It was in the unexpected that the light was piercing the darkness. It was in the unexpected that God was paving a way. It was in the unexpected that the world, which seemed to be falling apart, finally had a shot at being saved. It was in the unexpected, in the loneliness, and in the fear that God was closer than they could have ever imagined. Things were not falling apart. Because of Emmanuel, things were coming together. It was in the unexpected that God transitioned the idea of home from being a place to being a person. Warmth, meaning, purpose, love, contentment was not gonna be found in a place or in circumstances or in everything going as planned. If you know me and I know some of you, we think that hope comes from everything working out just the way we expected and God says, that's not how it works. That's not where you find home. That's not where you find warmth. You find it in a person. You find it in Jesus. Jesus, who will save his people from their sins. Jesus, who is their only true home. Mary and Joseph learn their home is not a place. Their home is a person. For us this Christmas season, uh, we may expect a couple things. We may expect Christmas to look kind of like this. Everybody has the same matching pajamas. Uh, everyone's happy, there's smiles, children in a good mood, there's sparkle in their eyes, there's energy in the air. When it comes to dinner, I mean, everyone's smiling and laughing and the turkey just comes out just right or the ham. Everyone's just enjoying each other. Christmas Eve settles in, snow begins to fall. The children are present and they're aware and the children love every gift they receive. And then they even remember to go up and to thank the adult who gave it to them. Isn't that hard? It took years, uh, but that all happens. Um, those family members who don't typically get along, you just expect and hope. This is a moment, this is the day where they'll remember to treat each other like people, like humans, and get along. There's peace, there's warmth, there's the expectation of kindness, and just this deep level of satisfaction and meaning in these moments, in this Christmas season. And it's in this season where sometimes we look at our life and we begin to reflect and think and expect things, things are gonna be okay. Relationally, things are gonna work out. Financially, I think things are gonna work out. I expect, I hope that I'm gonna raise successful children, successful grandchildren. Someday they're actually gonna leave the house. Someday they're gonna find love. 
Someday they're going to find fulfillment in their career and their job. There's the expectation that gracefully we're going to move into empty nesting and then one day transition into retirement. That bucket list, we're going to check all those, we're going to check all those boxes. We're going to coast. We're going to enjoy. We're going to settle. We're going to see ourselves in that Hallmark movie. But instead, we get the unexpected. Things never work out as planned. So instead of matching pajamas, we look a little bit more like this. And you're probably familiar with that scene. <laughs> that was a rough day. Nothing went right, did it? The turkey's like, I don't even describe it, like it opens and like bugs come out of it. Like smoke comes out, like that's your kind of Christmas dinner. People don't get along. Everyone's awkward. Everyone's weird. And then this guy shows up at your house. You know? So that's what happens at Christmas. You know, Uncle Jim's outside trying to fry the turkey, loses an eyebrow. Family members don't put aside their differences. Rather, they emphasize their, dis their differences with volume. And there's arguments throughout the house. Instead of the smell of cinnamon, it's the smell of passive aggressiveness and sarcasm throughout the house. Instead of meaningful conversation, everyone just falls asleep and awkwardly lets that top button pop open and that hand just slides right there. And you're like, what has happened? It's Christmas. The unexpected happened. All the kids are on their phones, just like every other day of the week. Uncle Mark drinks too much eggnog and some of the other stuff. Your sibling brings that new boyfriend or girlfriend, and you just know that's going to be a disaster. But they're now part of your Christmas. They're in all the pictures, whether you like it or not. I have this one family member who won't be watching today. And back in the day, I had this tiled um, counter. Have you ever tried to clean a tiled counter? It's like the hardest thing in the world because of all the cracks and crevices. So he would come to my house, unnamed family member, and he would toast toast in the morning. And what we would do is we'd usually put a napkin or a plate and put our food on there and prep our food. Why? Because of the tiled counter. He would not do that. He'd toast the toast, pull it out, drop it on the counter. He'd pull out a butter knife, pull out the grape jelly. He'd pull out the, the butter and would go whack, whack, whack. And you just watch the crumbs go dish, dish both sides, and then you drop them on the counter. It's like crumb Armageddon, and then you just pick them up and walk away and act like nothing had happened. And this is also a family member who would never clean up after themselves. So everyone else becomes a maid or a butler. So Mike the butler goes over and cleans it up, and Mike the butler looks at said family member and just says, hey, tomorrow, if you'd be willing, in our family, we usually pull out a napkin or a plate because this is really difficult to clean. Said family member smiles and laughs at butler Mike, and like thinks it's a joke, tomorrow, bread, toaster, jelly, jam, butter, whoa, 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 no napkin. So Pastor Mike starts the day wanting to strangle someone. And that's Christmas morning. Sometimes it just doesn't work out as expected. Sometimes it's really hard. And sometimes in that season, there's other memories that kind of flood into your life. Like I know two of the people that are closest to me that have passed away, both passed away in winter months. And I'm not the only one in here. Some of you have a really hard time when days get short and nights get dark. Things that have happened, people that you've lost, you remember those things during Christmas. So maybe it's not all warmth. Maybe it's not all good feelings. Maybe some things are really hard. And during this season, we often reflect on our life and we begin to realize some unexpected things. There's no perfect Christmas because there's no perfect person. And that truth starts with me and it starts with you, 
but it includes our spouse and our family members and our kids. All of us are broken. And even with the best of intentions, somehow we seem to hurt one another's feelings. People we love, we watch them struggle. We watch them hurt. We watch some pass away. Our children who are imperfect and broken like we are, we watch them go through hurt. And I think we might hurt more than they do when we watch them go through it. They go through painful relationships. They go through hard circumstances. Maybe the portfolio worked out. Maybe the portfolio didn't work out. But it's in this season where you realize none of it protects you from the pain. None of it protects you from the unexpected. Painful relationships are painful relationships. Physical health may no longer be in our favor. That bucket list just keeps getting shorter. I wanted to do it, but I can't do it anymore. So instead of checking a box, you just cross it off. So it gets shorter and shorter. And maybe empty nesting just feels empty. And retirement isn't going as expected. So instead of getting the Christmas we expected, we get the Christmas we don't expect. We get the unexpected. What if? What if we began to learn the lesson that Mary and Joseph learned? What if we could start to see home the way Mary and Joseph saw home? Home is not a place. Home is not our stuff. Home is not a checklist. Home is not our accomplishments. Home is not our career. Home cannot be described on a spreadsheet. Home is more than our family members. Home is more than our health. Home is more than our experiences. Our home is actually not a place. Our home is a person. Mary and Joseph realized when there was nothing else that home is a person. In our moments where things don't go as planned, we remember home is a person because only in Jesus do you find peace when everything else is falling apart. Only in Jesus do we find consistency, companionship, and forever acceptance. Only Jesus lives above the circumstances, above the storm. And only Jesus also walks with you through the circumstances and through the storm. Often he's the only one who can truly understand your pain, your hardship, your struggles, the difficult things you're going through, your emotions and your pain. Only Jesus really gets those things. So this season, let's have our homes be centered on a person, not a place, not a circumstance, not an expectation. Here's the thing. If Christmas is about Jesus, the pressure is off. If Christmas is about Jesus, the pressure is off. And some of you know the pressure I'm talking about. There's almost like an anxiety with Christmas, the expectations that everything looks just right, that everything turns out just right, that everyone gets along just the right way. But if Christmas is about Jesus, the pressure's off. You can take a deep breath and you can look at him. You don't need the perfect dinner. You don't need the perfect gift. You don't need the perfect decorations. You don't need everyone to get along. So this Christmas season, I encourage you to center your family around Jesus. So here's a few ideas. Possibly pick or create a family tradition that kind of 
slows you down for a moment and reminds you about Jesus. One thing we would do, I've got two children, Luke and Lexi. Uh, they're older now, one's in college, one's a junior in high school. But for lots of years, we would always read Luke chapter two before we would open presents. And we had one of those Fisher-Price nativity scenes. I know you all have something like that in your house. We would have them act out Luke two while we would read it. And that was just a great tradition. Even when we had family members that didn't know Jesus with us, we would always do that. It would slow us down and center us around Jesus. Maybe for some of you, simply get around the table. Intentionally have that family meal or a couple family meals and just stop for a moment and look each other in the eye and ask them, what are some things in your life that have been challenging? How are you growing spiritually? In this season, what does Jesus mean to you? How do you hope to get some extra time with Jesus in the next week? Look each other in the eye. Have those types of conversations. Maybe it looks like having a family devotional. Pick a couple verses, put them in the middle of the table, read them, and have a conversation. Perhaps for some of you, you don't have family this Christmas season. You live in Charleston and the rest of your people live somewhere else. Grab some friends. Don't do Christmas alone. Grab some brothers and sisters in Christ because they are family. Even though they may not feel like family because they have to go through the awkwardness of building relationships, grab some folks, spend time together. They are your eternal family. Maybe we simplify for a couple weeks so we have more time to focus on Jesus during this Christmas season. For some of you, when I'm talking about Jesus being our home for Christmas, that might not make a lot of sense to you. Maybe you've never thought about Jesus being your home. Maybe your next step this Christmas season is simply to come home. Maybe it's time for you to come home, to come to Jesus. The Jesus who was born with the animals and placed in the manger, that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He was born without sin. Jesus then lived his entire life without sin. And that same Jesus died on a cross. And when Jesus died on a cross, he died in your place and mine. Jesus never sinned. We've all have sinned. And the consequence of that sin is separation from God. There's punishment involved. And Jesus takes that punishment. He dies on the cross, raises from the dead. And anyone who places their faith in Jesus is forgiven of their sin. And they can have a right relationship with God. They can come home. And this Christmas season might be the Christmas season where you know God in a personal way. You have access to God because of Jesus. You simply need to come home. You need to come to Jesus. And at the end of this service, if you'd like to have a conversation about that, I'll be up here. I'd love to talk to you. We have prayer partners on both sides of the room, close to the Christmas trees. They have those lanyards on. They would love to have a conversation with you about making a decision to come to Jesus. What a beautiful way for you to start this Christmas season. So family, brothers and sisters, let's come home for Christmas. Let's put Jesus back in the center of this season. Let's adore him like the song says. Let's celebrate him. Let's enjoy him. Our home is not a place. Our home is a person. Our home, church family, is Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and we're so thankful for you. Jesus, you came to earth to make all the difference. You provided a way home and you provided home. 
So for those in the room, Jesus, who don't know you, I pray that you'd push on their hearts today to come to know you as Lord and Savior. May they be willing to have a conversation that changes everything. I pray as we look forward into our Christmas season that we will center ourselves around you. Give us opportunities to talk about you with our family and friends. Make yourself the center of the season. We love you. Set our hearts on you. In Christ's name, amen. For more information, visit us at BibleCenterChurch.com and give us a follow on all platforms at Bible Center.